Happy holidays. <laughs> I'm Lisa. I'm Julie. And together we are Two Sober Two Chicks. Sober Chicks. Thanks for joining us on our Hello Holiday recording session. It was going to say Hell from the Holidays or something like that, but it's our it's shit hell. show holiday special. Special. Ain't it it's- special? Anus special. Because <laughs> <laughs> sometimes the holidays are just not what we thought they would be. No, we were talking bef- before the, we were going to continue with our big book study, but um, I had a last minute brainchild because Lisa and I have had significant disturbances and occurrences in our family in the past month. And it seems like everyone I know is having a really, really difficult time right now mentally. Like, you know, there are two family members in both Zach and my own family that are borderline suicidal. We've got friends who are going missing, who are severely depressed. Uh, My whole family is like completely separated and in a crazy time. And so we thought it would be uh, probably more helpful if we discuss how we're going to get through the holidays in spite of all of this stuff that's going on. Yeah. The the thing that came to me immediately when you were talking about people who were suicidal and going through difficulties, I know that um, the holidays when I was um, active in my alcoholism and addiction, they were some of the worst um, because it just, you, you see these images on TV in movie theaters, in the mall, in the stores, there's this push of commercialism. Um, you know, advertisement is the constant message that everything will be better if you have this and, and you know, include this in your life. And then you compare that to what's going on around you. And so I can totally relate to those poor people who are uh, suicidal. This is one of those times where from the worst uh, from the most wonderful time of the year, it's actually the worst time of the year for so many people. Um, yeah. especially people who have, you know, participated in tearing their own lives apart through alcoholism and addiction. Yeah. Um, and then you have the whole other sector out there who just is blessed with mental health crisis, mental health issues, mm-hmm. and how that can tear the family apart. So it is difficult. Mm-hmm. The word that flashed in my head when you were talking about the people, the two people who are in your family who are suicidal was hope. And um, I love that acronym hang on pain ends. Mm. Um, And I need to be reminded that if I just hang on sometimes just a little longer, if I don't take that drastic final step, this pain of this moment will end. It can get better. Yeah. Um, Which is why the semicolon project is so important for people Mm -hmm. who suffer from, you know, mental health and and thoughts of suicide. So if you don't know what that is, I suggest you look it up. Mm-hmm. Did you want to talk anything about how you've been dealing with all these things? So uh, to make a very long story very short, my my parents are going to be spending Christmas alone for the first time in their lives due to consequences of their latest binge where I shouldn't be laughing, but you have to laugh. It's because it's ridiculous. And we've been going through this with them for over 30 years. But this last one, which I've mentioned before, was when the police kicked the door down and the neighbors called a a wellness check or a welfare check or whatever you call it. Mm -hmm. And as a result, 
they are spending Christmas on their own. I'm down here uh, right outside of Nashville, so I can't come up anyways, but my sister basically canceled Christmas and it's been heartbreaking because although I agree with and support my sister's decision, I am also simultaneously heartbroken that my whole family will be alone and my parents are devastated. They think it's weird because they can't figure out why on earth Christmas would be canceled because they don't have any accountability whatsoever. Um, But this has pulled me under for a few weeks, trying to be the peacemaker, trying to be there for my sister who doesn't have a therapist and so relies on me in that way. And I just hit my limit in dealing with my brother, with my parents and my grandmother, with my mother. And I got involved and I don't think I should have because I got swept under again in a way that I never wanted to. So I realized actually last night I said to my husband, you can't push me anymore to be the peacemaker because it's not good for me. And I just want to enjoy Christmas because I actually have a pretty peaceful life. And this is the one time of year for me because I grew up this way where everything is magical and special. And I can choose to make it that way if I can not suppress or oppress my feelings, but like put them aside right now so that Mm -hmm. my magical special Christmas that I've created with my husband is fun and childlike and exciting. Um, guys, in you don't spite get snow. of all of this stuff that's going on. Yeah. Do you guys get snow down there? We do. We haven't yet. Okay. Obviously, it's not as much as you guys up north. Um, I was going to say, I, if you got snow, I would want to have uh, a holiday Christmas with Julie and Zach. Because I think that would be very fun. Magical. I picture us outside, snowball fights. I think there's horses nearby. So, you know, yeah, me they're right a pleasure pony. Love a pleasure pony. <laughs> Yep. And we've got rat actually. So the next next door neighbor and I live in the country, so it's pretty far has rabbits that she just decided she didn't want anymore. So now there's like eight rabbits that hop around the property. They like to hang with the horses. So now we've got all of these fluffy. What are they called? There's a name for these particular rabbits because they have the floppy ears. Mm. They're all black and white. Floppy Um, floppy ear rabbits. But yeah, there's a name for them. Holland Lops or something like that. Oh. Um. Anyways, yeah, so it's been a miserable week of that's another thing that really plays on my mental health. Like I'm not a person that really gets a seasonal affective disorder, but it's been gray and rainy for a week here and I'm so over it. Mm-hmm. You know what? I think we all do. <laughs> it's just some people glom onto titles <laughs> more than other people. That's yeah. just my opinion. Um. So there's our disclaimer. Uh, I don't speak for AA. I don't speak for any mental health organization. I'm not a doctor or a physician. I am one opinionated mofo. That's for sure. One of my character defects. Working on it. Um, so speaking of this time of year and the things that can or cannot affect us, one of the tools um, that I've learned to use is two-way prayer. Um, and having trying to have a conversation with my higher power. And sometimes I don't hear anything. Sometimes I don't get a message and that's okay. Like I said, when I was working with two girls this morning, um, hey, we just had five minutes of peace. <laughs> you know, can't get any worse if you had no messages in your five minutes of peace. So two-way prayer is you sit and you focus on your breathing 
and you relax. And as the thoughts come, you record them. You can record them on an audio machine. You can do the tactile touching. Every time you have a thought, touch a different finger, or you can write them down, make little notes, um, and just sit and, and let everything that comes, you write it down. Good, bad, negative, ugly, positive. Where the hell did that come? Why did I think of the number five? What the fuck does that mean? Just everything. You record it. And then after that, you talk it over with a sharing partner. So your sponsor, a sponsee, a friend who's, you know, got some good quality sober time like yourself in AA and won't judge you for having this conversation with God. Um, and you go through the list of, um, is it forgiving? Is it unselfish? Um, is it honest? And I'm forgetting what the fourth one is. Um, you go through that list. If it's uh, selfish or self-seeking, if it's dishonest, if it's resentful, uh, these of course are self-centered thoughts. And this is how I discern whether or not maybe God is saying something to me, giving me a mm. message. And mm. today what I heard was I saw the image of the number five. Don't know what that means. But I also heard he is very sick. And the other message that I got was reach out. Hmm. And then three names flashed in front of my eyes. And I've already spoken to two of those three people today. Wow. Uh, and, a third, and a third one for good measure. So reach out. So, and that's what I got to share with the ladies in my little prayer circle this morning, which was kind of cool. So, um, what has helped me with that too, is after I have my prayer, my two-way prayer, my meditation, I started to write. And, um, so my first thought this morning was negative because I looked at our tiny little Christmas tree, which is artificial and there's no presents under the tree because it's just the two of us. And, you know, we don't really spend a lot of money on that stuff. We don't need excess stuff. We live in a small apartment. We don't need to add more things. We don't have a lot of extra money to blow on fun things anyway. Um, yeah. So my mind started to go dark into the negative. So after I did my prayer and meditation, then I sat down and I wrote this. So if it's okay, I'm going to share it with the class. Mm -hmm. The most wonderful time of the year. That's what the song tells us, doesn't it? I love the concept of Christmas, the white snow blanketing the ground, making staying inside even more magical if you have a fireplace, nope, and a cup of hot cocoa, check. The smell of the evergreen or fir tree, artificial one, condos don't allow real ones, they are a fire hazard. As the lights twinkle in the early dusk of morning, the delight and anticipation of the gifts under the tree, I'm an adult on a budget with no little kids. It's pretty empty under there. Let's face it, Christmas can be not the most wonderful time of the year. I've spent many a sad, lonely Christmas going to parties, trying to forget how lonely I was, how broke or just how broken my family or my heart was. Thank God for AA. In times when I was most alone, I found meetings. I found ways to get out of self by going to holiday meetings where dinner needed to be prepared for those less fortunate than I. I got into serving others, which got me out of pitying self. Christmas can be the most wonderful time of the year again. Just not for the over-advertised, fantasy-filled, unbelievably high, expectation-oriented ideal of perfection that I was sold and still never lived up to as a kid. The focus was on the gifts and the food. 
Sadly, once that was over, my family never really knew how to connect. You know, the liquor just didn't last long enough, and everybody started fighting over who was going to do the dishes and the cleanup. And my mother always felt a little bitter and a little resentful at the end of it all. No one showed up on time, and everyone left too early. More often than not, I was always disappointed with the gifts. I hated pink, but that's what girls get, when what I wanted was a cool action figure. And then I'd get scolded and punished as my mother would glean my disappointment for not being grateful. She was right. I wasn't. But I had no idea. Uh, sorry, I had no model for what grateful was. Mm. Now I was awake. Now, as I wake early in my tiny apartment, turn the lights on and see the empty space underneath our tree, we get a delicious, we got a delicious chocolate basket from a friend, which of course is almost gone already. I am no longer filled with old thoughts of sadness, self-pity, or envy of what others are getting this holiday season. I don't feel bad for not liking or wanting anything pink. And I am reminded that God has given me everything I need, and that perhaps my lack of financial success has allowed me to focus on the simple and true gifts of life. Unconditional love from my beautiful and sweet wife, who enjoys me for being exactly me. A giant toddler, as she likes to call me, <laughs> but not in a judgy, mean way. Not for whom she hopes I will one day be, but for who I am now. My little dog and her love of a good bone, a toy, or a cheek to lick. How she enjoys the very essence of life and models it for me, living purely in the moment. Most importantly, that another person's love for me or mine for them is not measured in what is wrapped under a tree once a year, but in the daily acts of kindness, time, love, laughter, and yes, even shared tears and moments of consoling comfort. This is the true measure of Christmas for me today, not what happens on December 25th, but what ha happened leading up to that day to remind me of how truly blessed and loved I am. You, you are all a part of that. You, Julie, all of my friends, and everybody listening today, you're all a part of that. I hope you feel it too, the love, the gratitude. We are part of the same tribe, the shipwrecked survivors who finally realize the true meaning of Christmas is love, worship, acceptance, and gratitude. As Linus reminded good old Charlie Black Brown, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace and goodwill towards men. That's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. Yes, indeed, Linus, glory to God, for without God, I would be nothing, have nothing, and not have known a single one of you, my dear, beautiful friends. So if the holidays stress you out, remember the true meaning of them. Stop trying to fill unfulfillable expectations. Slow down. Focus on gratitude. Be kind to yourself and to others. And remember, gifts can have a meaningful impact on the receiver without spending money you don't have. People have different expressions of love. Getting a gift is one of many but don't discount the other ways. Words of affirmation, quality time, acts of service, and physical touch. Ooh, I love me some physical mm -hmm. touch. I could get a year's worth of coupons for back rubs and foot rubs, and I would be a very happy girl. If the holidays are stressing you out, don't forget, you've got a hotline. Call your sponsor.
And that was my writing from this morning. And then I you said, let's that. do this cast. What? I love that. The reason that I really love what you wrote is that you expressed your grief first and foremost, which I think is the underlying commonality between what everyone I know is going through. And you expressed it honestly. And that's important because I think part of the problem is the suppression or the oppression and being like, no, I'm happy. No, I'm supposed to be happy. I'm supposed to be grateful. I'm supposed to feel like this. And I don't want to feel that bad and the ugly and the grief and the whatever is going on. And that I think leads to sort of the explosion of what's going on with people right now in their emotions. And then you watched yourself progress from grief and sadness to getting a really good perspective on what you do have because you can't change the things you don't have. And it's okay to grieve. I will probably never have another Christmas like I have my whole life. That is a very sad thing. That was the most fun, loving time in my family. And I realized yesterday that's over. That will never be again. And I can grieve it. And I can also remember how awesome it was. But I also live right now. We live right now. That's why the serenity prayer, I think, is not taken seriously enough because it's a prayer for the moment. So what can you do with what you have now? Some people might just want to crawl under the covers and cry. That's fine. But like you said, that will pass. And what does nourish your soul and feed you and what is a gift to yourself is to be like, well, I have my dog and I have cozy socks and I have a wife that loves me and things are actually better now than they have been. And if they're not, then that will change too. But I loved the honoring of the grief you're going through, but not sitting in it and letting it take over and overcome you. Yep. Yeah. Well, you know, feelings aren't facts. I say that all the time and my thoughts and feelings are what's wrong with me. But what I have learned is that no, feelings aren't facts, but they're fucking feelings. <laughs> and yeah. so I don't do any good discounting or ignoring them. But exactly. I do well, better if I acknowledge them and say, yep, there it is. Oh, I know you. Yes. Sad, sadness, self-pity, grief, loss, mourning. Get it. Got it. And I'm allowed. I'm a human being. And the yeah. difference today, like you just said, I'm not going to sit in it because guess what? I have a choice. And if I can choose not to sit in it, I will acknowledge it. I will deal with it. Maybe I'll have a little pity party under the blankets for a while and eat a bag of chips. All right. <laughs> and That's then okay. I have another choice. I can choose when that ends. And I didn't know that before. I didn't ever see a light at the end of the tunnel or a way out of the darkness. But the way out of the darkness is a choice for me. Yeah. And, you know, I think people will sometimes hear us say on this podcast, your feelings are what's wrong with you. And it doesn't mean we don't honor feelings or they aren't important. It means do not let them drive the bus because that's what we do. People who have addiction issues, primarily we let our feelings drive the bus because that's the fuel for the alcohol fire or the drug fire or the sex fire. That's the problem. They have to be put in their right place in our lives. Yeah. The back of the bus, bitches. <laughs> Just not yeah, in the driver's get seat. in the back, bitches. <laughs> That's right. And then the holidays will be happier. And they have been happier because of that, because of that acknowledgement. 
and uh, and my acknowledgement of worshiping and being grateful, worshiping yeah. a higher power and saying thank you. Thank you for what I have. Just that act alone. And I love that you mentioned the serenity prayer because that has changed for me so much over the last nine years. You just celebrated nine years, right? Yeah. Congratulations. Crazy. Uh, and I'm going to be celebrating nine years. And one of the amazing things that has changed for me in recovery is how much that serenity prayer means to me and how much it has helped me. Um, and I've said this to sponsees that I have, sometimes just the first word alone gives me relief I when I say, God. It's the surrender point. That's why it's a burden off our shoulders. It's the moment we realize, oh, I'm not God. Yes. I'm not God. I'm not alone. I'm not in charge. I like that great cartoon I love that my sponsee Wendy gave me a few years ago. I laugh my ass off. It's two little caricatures sitting in like stick drawings in a mm -hmm. classroom. And the one in the back um, has a shirt with its name on it. The name is Universe. And the one in the front, his name is Ego. Universe passes Ego a note in class. Ego opens up the note and it says, get comfortable not knowing. Mm. And ego's all disgruntled, but that's truth, right? That is the serenity prayer. I get serenity by surrendering that there are just some things that I'm not meant to know, understand, never will know. And the moment I release that, I suddenly feel more peaceful. Yeah. That's, that's pretty cool. And yeah, we've had, you've had this, uh, you know, this struggle with moving down South and, you know, fighting for a green card uh, even though you're married to an American and you can't come back over the border because to get your stuff, because you're afraid you won't get back in to be with your husband. Well, and... I'm not allowed, period. Oh, you're not allowed to go over the border. No, when until you have status, you cannot leave the country. Yeah. So even you're... if I could, like, even if I wanted to go up north, I, I couldn't, I would completely ruin the process. But that also means not having literally any of my things, which... Yeah annoys me to it's a struggle I have right now because I don't want to be upset about not having stuff it's just stuff. I don't yeah but when you know it's very inconvenient when you don't have winter clothes for the second year in a row and you're like looking at winter coats going I just can't I can't buy a winter coat I have eight in Canada. in Canada I can't yeah. buy a food processor or beaters to make Christmas cookies because I have four in Canada like Sounds I just like finished I need a semester I just finished a semester of school without any of my hundreds of theological resources and books that I have in my library in Canada. Yeah. And it like, it bothers me. And I'm always saying to God, I don't want to be ungrateful. I'm so sorry that I'm so attached to my stuff, but it's literally my whole life is sitting up in a storage facility. I was going to say, sounds like I need to rent a U-Haul and just take a trip. <laughs> you can't. Like I, it, you wouldn't be able to get it across like the oh, customs really? forms. You can't, I have oh. to have some kind of status work visa or some kind of status. What if it's just my stuff and I want to take it down South and sell it? Well, but then you have to lie on customs forms. Oh, all right. And then customs. you can be banned from the United States. So people smuggle drugs. <laughs> I cannot even tell you my issues with this process being an upstanding citizen, yeah. but you know, well, that's all right. We're doing the right things. We do the right things today, Julie. Yeah. And I have to, it's a big process of letting go and trusting mm -hmm. God. 
and I am not God. When it comes to my family stuff that I've been going through, trying to be the peacemaker and being brokenhearted about everything, I've had to realize I am not God and I am going under based on situations that actually are none of my business. What's happened between my parents and my sister, my parents and my brother and my parents and my grandparents. It's not for me. And I'm getting involved and it's hurting me because I'm crossing my own boundaries. So this, you know, like getting back to this serenity prayer, I know it seems trite to tell people who are in severe emotional pain over the holidays to use the serenity prayer, but it really is an understated, simple, holy tool mm-hmm. just to meditate on even. Well, like and, you and I and have talked about meditating people- on every word. Like when I say God, who is God? What does that mean when I cry out to God? means I'm acknowledging that there's some, a power greater than me. Who is God to me? And then grant, what does that mean? It's a prayer in itself. It means he can do something for me that I can't. It's just so powerful. And I recommend people carry it around in their pocket as they're going around the holidays, as their little like emergency break this glass toolkit. It's like when I was new in recovery and I was given the, um, the St. Francis prayer. Um, and I was so mad. Mm. I'm like, I don't, I don't want to learn how to love other people or to understand other people. You don't understand what I want is for other people to understand me and to be loved. (laughs) And the person who handed it to me said, no, I know that's what you want. That's why you need this Mm. prayer. (laughs) I'm like, ah, this is like talking in circles. And they probably felt the same way. Um, and it wasn't until after I, would read the prayer many, many times. And then I did a fourth step that I started to see it and I started to understand. Um, And so, and yes, we tell people to say these prayers or to do these things or follow these suggestions, but it's not because we are a doctor or a physician or uh, a psychiatrist that's never been in your shoes. Mm -hmm. It's because we are people who have been in your shoes. I've sat with a homemade noose made out of an electrical cord, extension cord tied around my neck, Mm. trying to drink up the courage to jump off a balcony with that noose tied around my neck. I've done those things. I've been in that place. I've been in the waiting place, you know, trying to work up that. um, It's not courage, but whatever you would call it to be able to go ahead with that final act. Mm -hmm. Um, And, uh, I guess there, but for the grace of God, I did not get that courage. Mm -hmm. Um, So, and I'm still here. So I've been here uh, and I've been where you are. And that's why I know that if you just wait, or if you have that moment of grace where you're interrupted, um, you know, and I, I thank my ex who never, ever, ever checked email from me (laughs) until weeks later. And the one time I sent a goodbye message And she was in a different province and she called people locally and said, if you don't go to her door, I'm calling the police. Mm. And they showed up at my door. You know, maybe I would have had the courage that night to go ahead with that leap. And uh, they showed up. And what would I do? I, you know, had to pretend that everything was okay. (laughs) Of course. Put away the uh, extension cord. Welcome guests. Uh, it's three o'clock in the morning. <laughs> what the fuck are you doing here? Um, anyway, yeah. So we know that this time can be hard. Um, and a lot of that 
hardship is brought on by ourselves and our own thoughts and our own feelings as we sit and we stew and we ruminate in those feelings. So those little suggestions like call somebody else, ask somebody how they're doing, you know, um, tell somebody how you're feeling, um, ask for help. And then when you're given a suggestion, take it, try it. Excuses bar results. They will stop you from from um, getting through it, getting over it. Yeah. So, I mean, the the fourth or the tenth is so good because it asks us to examine our own role and what's going on. So when I look at my emotional state the past four weeks, what is my role in that? Usually it's overactive thinking, obsessive thoughts, ruminating like you. I wake up in the morning and I'm immediately mad and I'm running through the things that I've said and done to try and help that have backfired or what my sister has done or what my brother has done and how my parents deserve it. And my role is I keep reliving it. But then when I remember, well, what can you actually do about it? The answer is nothing. The answer is my life is actually in this moment here with my husband, and that's who I should be focusing on because I can't do anything about anything else. It's got to be up to God or these people to figure out. And I think often we make other people's problems, those of us in recovery, especially our family, we make those problems somehow our own when they're really not. And it takes us under because we're helpless and powerless over it. It's it's the first step admission. I am powerless and my life is unmanageable. What am I powerless over? Other people's lives, their own decisions, the consequences of their own actions, how they choose to resolve their own problems. Like bringing for so many of us, my husband once said to me a while ago when I was struggling, I feel like anxiety is the third person in our message. And now my, in our marriage, and now my family is the third person in our marriage. And I hate that. So it's up to me. Yesterday, I put my foot down and I said, I'm not going to discuss it anymore because that just fuels the fire too. Hey, did you talk to your brother today? Yes. And this is what he said. And this is the text I got from my mom, but also knowing our own boundaries. I saw a text from my sister and I didn't want to answer it. And my husband said, just answer it. It's probably, just look at it. It's probably something good. And it wasn't. And I spun into a whole rage the, the rest of the night. So it's also knowing our boundaries. What keeps me safe from this situation? So over the holidays, what keeps you safe? Yes. Write it down. Who can, who are the good, who are people that are good for you to talk to? Don't mm-hmm. put any expectations on it. What can you do with where you're at? Some of us have to go to family stuff almost against our will. Okay. Well, what's your plan of action for that? We've said that every year we've had this podcast, have a plan of action before you go into these frightful, (laughs) loaded, whatever Christmas holiday party, family, Christmas, new year's thing. Yeah. You know, um, that's a good, that's always a good topic of discussion is having an exit plan. The other thing I was going to comment on was, um, Sometimes it's our character defects. I I used to think that um, getting involved in other family situations was helping. Mm -hmm. It was me helping. Oh, I have a program. Maybe if I share with them this message, it will help them. Mm -hmm. But then 
they don't want to do. Their lives don't depend on recovery like ours do. So nine times out of 10, right. 10 they don't want to follow suggestions. So it's uh, exercise in futility and frustration. It falls on deaf ears. Then I get frustrated because, of course, people aren't living up to my expectations. And the root of my character defect was I saw myself as a fixer, which means I saw myself as having some sort of control which goes against step one and being right. powerless. So I'm glad you mentioned that. And the other thing is, yes, um, sometimes we we do have to go to certain events. Maybe you have little kids and they want to go see grandma and grandpa, so you're going to go. But mm. you can have a time limit. Um, you can have another event that's planned and golly gee, our hour's up, got to go. <laughs> or you can drop them off. You. you can drop them off. And then there are, it's okay to say no. Whoa, <laughs> a million things happening on my phone. Um, it's okay to say no. And sometimes you're going to have to skip a Christmas or a New Year's or a birthday or some big event where you know it's going to be an absolute shit show. Everyone's going to be wasted. People are going to be offering you booze. And you're no matter how many times you say, no, I can't drink, <laughs> somebody's still going to offer you fuck i was just at my mom's funeral and my brother who knows i'm an alcoholic offered me drinks twice mm -hmm. the other brother you know was opening a bottle of wine in the kitchen and saw me and went oh is this okay i'm like yeah yeah i'm i'm the alcoholic you're not have at it yeah <laughs> you know um it's natural people want to have a drink when somebody dies um but not natural to offer your alcoholic sister a drink unless you're trying to fuck with her or destroy her how did mm -hmm. I handle that? I said, no, thanks. But that's because nine years of sobriety. Yeah. Right. If I was six months sober, I'd still have to go to a funeral, um, but I'd have a plan. I'd have my sponsor on speed dial. I'd let my sponsor know ahead of time. This is what I'm going through. I did that. Called him as I was on the way to the hospital that day. Uh, my mom's on life support and I don't think she's coming out of this. And I checked in with him several times over the next 48 hours. I checked in with other people over the next 48 hours. I had all kinds of plans in place. Um, so have a plan um, and make a decision. And it's okay to say no. Mm -hmm. You know, no, don't people please. People please is a nice, sweet way of lying. Mm -hmm. Don't do it. Yeah. And one of my favorite techniques is pretend you are a documentary filmmaker or a reporter, or you're watching a reality show, it completely changes everything. Pretend like you're gathering information and you're going to tell someone what happened. You're going to write about it. It all of a sudden flips things to a point where you almost actually might enjoy the drama as if you were watching a show. And I ask myself too, does this warrant a reaction? Does this really warrant a reaction or do you not or do you just either A, not like what's going on or B, you're uncomfortable and it's okay to be uncomfortable. It's okay to not like what's going on. Um, often a sane solution doesn't work in an insane situation. So I think we try and think once we're recovered, like I'm going to help fix this. I know the solution or family member, like my sweet husband will be like, well, it just makes sense. Do this. But you, it's insane. It won't make sense. It's an upside down world. It's weird. All your buttons are being pushed. But we don't have 
to react. I, my goal in life is just to be a woman full of grace. That is non-reactive. It means I can have all the emotions I want. I can be kind. I can be present. I can be plugged in, but I don't have to be reactive because reactive is when you lose control. And we, we know when we're getting to the point of reactive, it doesn't go from one to 10. And once we become sober and we have that pause that gets ingrained in our brain, we can see once it's at level five, maybe it's time for me to leave the room. I don't have to leave the whole situation. I can go for a walk. I think you suggested this one time. Um, if you like kids, playing with the kids is always the best escape because you're with the kids. Kids aren't going to fuck around and make you upset. Go play with the kids. Go walk the dog. I love washing the dishes. That's my escape. I'm just going to wash the dishes because no one wants to wash the dishes. That's and I get why to I love to have mouth. Julie over. <laughs> I stuck so up for weeks. Because sometimes, you know, it's nice and fine if you can't avoid the situation. But I think most people cannot. So then it becomes, what are my survival tools? Like, I love that show alone where people are just like dropped in the middle of nowhere. And I think they're allowed to have like 11 things from a huge list. Like you can pick from, are you going to take a bow and arrow? Are you going to take matches? Are you going to take a tent? Are you going to take a, a line for fish? Like oh, go boy. into these situations with your alone kit mm-hmm. and figure out what you're going to write it down on a piece of paper. Cause when we are in our emotions, forget it. All logic goes out the window, write yourself a letter. Okay. When shit gets real, you're going to look at this list and it's going to have wash the dishes, play with the kids, take the dog for a walk, call your sponsor, yeah. whatever. Suggestion. Write your list now, people write your list yeah. of 10 things. This is Insane your safety mind. kit. Mm-hmm. Um, what are you going to take with you if you have to go to a holiday party that is kind of making you feel nauseous, just the very thought of it? Yeah. What are you going to take with you and write it out and then pull that out of your pocket, out of your wallet, out of your purse, um, your purse, whatever you carry. <laughs> and your kangaroo uh, pouch. Look at it. So. Yeah. Yeah. It can be fun. Weird can be fun and bad can also be fun. I actually love when shit goes down in my family um, because I find it highly entertaining when things get weird and people get uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. I love it. I don't like the uh, the things that happen before the holidays, but at Christmas dinner, when like I'm insulting Josh Grobin and my grandma's really mad because he's like the best voice on planet earth. And then my uncle's rolling his eyes because I'm asking my grandma questions about um, who does she want to see first when she gets into heaven or my cousin's asking if she's ever been to a strip joint. Like that's my favorite shit. It's fun your favorite shit. <laughs> it's my favorite shit. When there's like all, it goes, gets to the point where there's almost like a table flip, but it doesn't actually get to the table flip. Ugh. See, and I haven't had any of that for years because my parents are older and uh, they've lived in a condo. So they tried that one or two big family thing when they moved into the condo and it was just like, it was too much to have it in the party room. And um, so I'm actually looking forward to, I have to work Christmas, so I won't be celebrating Christmas at Christmas, but uh, we're going to celebrate it early. We're going to go down and see my dad who is now a widower and it's just going to be me, my dad and my wife and our baby dog, Mabel. Oh, that's nice. We're going to have a turkey dinner and he's already called me. You know, we celebrate love through food. He's already called me and told me that he's bought special breakfast sausage. He's got some pork chops for another meal. Uh, He's picked up the turkey. um, And I was telling him that I've been, you know, making ready with the spices and I've got the stuffing ready to 
you know, throwing the bird. And he's like, oh, no, I bought a bird with stuffing already in it. I love that. Oh, all right. So, yeah, we're going to cook and and uh, play some games and bring him some cheer. So we're looking forward to that. That's nice. Actually be a peaceful Christmas. That's where it's at, where we wherever we can create the most peace this year, go towards that. Mm-hmm. It's been a rough year for a lot of people. And try to zero out your expectations, you know? Yeah. Survival. That should be the only expectation. You have. It's like Don't Christmas bring, survivor style 2022. Yeah. Bring your list. <laughs> bring your call sheet. Don't drink. Don't use. It'll make it worse. Yes. If you have an extra piece of cake, okay. You know. Yeah. Now's not the time to withhold. Yes. With the small joys where you can find them. Mm-hmm. On that note, we hope that you have a calm and peaceful holiday season. Um, I did want to remind people too that uh, we're starting a new meeting called a Solution Seekers Beginners Meeting. And uh, it will be on Online Intergroup AA. So you can look up that title, a Solution Seekers Beginners Meeting, or you can send uh, an email if you want the deets to log in on Zoom. It starts January 1st, 2023. Um, and the uh, meeting number is 469-295-3613. So it's best if you just look us up online, uh, intergroup AA, and you can join a new meeting. It's uh, 7 a.m., seven days a week. That's 7 a.m. Eastern time, seven days a week. So we're really excited about that. It's going to be big book and 12 and 12, um, just getting back to the basics of recovery. Um, and so I'm going to be a part of that. And if I can get Julie out of bed, you know, early enough once in a while, then she might join us. Be a guest speaker, maybe, because we're going to have a speaker meeting on Sundays. So That sounds awesome. Yeah, that's my, I hope my endeavor join. for the new year, starting yeah. a new meeting. Looking quite forward to it. It's going to be fun. And we're going to continue on with our podcasts. Um, I haven't decided yet if I'm going to do a ring the bell kind of podcast since you're busy in a way. I might uh, do one anyway and see if anybody shows up. It'd be kind of hard to do by myself. But, you know, I'll talk to myself like a crazy person. Why not? We'll see what happens. Maybe I'll tune in from wherever, from my en route to Florida. Yes. So you can also send us a message anytime at Gmail. It's uh, two, the number two, soberchicks at gmail.com. And we hope to hear from you if you have any questions or you need any, uh, you know, sober support, you have a question to ask or you want us to do a specific podcast on something, then let us know. And uh, happy holidays and happy 2023. Happy holidays. You can do it. It's gonna be okay. (laughs) I'm Lisa. I'm Julie. And this has been another episode of Two Sober Chicks. Mm